Good afternoon on this Sunday, January 19th, 2020. This is episode 47 of Funny Like a Clown Podcast. I am your host, Dennis Worth, out of Gardner, G. Vegas, little town outside of Boston. Uh, as always, Funny Like a Clown Podcast is brought to you by G. Vegas Buffalo Sauce for the spicy, sweet, savory taste of game time. There is only one G. Vegas. Find that at www.gvegas.webs.com. Uh, go green. It's it's homemade. It's a fresh recipe, like a farmer's market thing. You don't want the mass-produced stuff. You want the home fresh stuff. All right, we discuss comedians, and today we are discussing legendary and controversial comedian Lewis Black. And to do that, I have on the phone former Boston comedian, former New Hampshire comedian, now residing, I believe, in uh, South Carolina, Michelle Mortensen. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Thanks, Dennis. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for being on. How's how's life treating you down there in South Carolina? It's been interesting. Um, we're enjoying the weather. The comedy scene is uh, slightly different. Well, from, uh, well what's uh, different about Boston, it down there? Uh, New England. Um, they, uh, it's uh, growing slightly, but uh, more they're more into the sketch and the improv down here in general okay. than they are with the stand-up. Uh, but I uh, picked up a few gigs. We just had the Charleston Comedy Festival um, and a few other things. So it's been kind of fun. Getting your feet wet down there. Is, is it like a cutthroat business like up here in Boston? or? Um, no, it is not cutthroat. Uh, it's a little clubby, shall we say. Okay. But uh, not, not quite as, as, as cutthroat as... Uh, but we don't have a lot of headliners. Uh, we don't have a lot of people that you know, stay around. Right. If they become big down here, they move out rather do quickly. It's more There's popular. Not as, as much of a scene. Right. Yeah, I'm like that. I've been, I mean, I've traveled a little bit in comedy. I know there's other areas like Vegas and Alaska, they try to help you out. We're here in Boston. It's everybody's, everybody's I guess there's too much competition here in Boston, but, uh, Anyway, we uh, brought you on to talk about a comedian. I asked you who to choose, and you chose Lewis Black. What made you choose him? Um, I think, first of all, he is an older comedian. He is of my generation. Uh, second of all, I think that Lewis Black, of all the comedians uh, I know, is the person that I would aspire to be like if I had the guts. Um, here's a man who is fearless in terms of his material, um, his anger, uh, boldly political, uh, also very funny, very clever. I just sometimes I watch uh, things that he does on uh, Back in Black on The Daily Show, and I just wish that I could be that funny. That it's an honest anger, too, isn't it? I mean, that's truly, you can tell, it's truly how he feels. He's not just making up a routine. It's, it's truly how the guy feels. Yes, yes. He's a, a political socialist, uh, unashamedly a, so a socialist, um, and he is angry about the way uh, what is happening in this country, uh, and it shows on stage... Uh, and I love the way that he comes on stage, and sometimes the anger just builds and builds and builds, and then he'll just calm down, he'll take a breath, and he'll work himself up again. I've seen him about four times on stage. Uh, he's coming to Charleston in May. I hope to be able to uh, attend that performance. Uh, yeah, the real deal. 
Uh, it's interesting also as a side note that he was actually uh, at Yale the same time we were. Our paths never crossed. My husband was at Yale. I didn't go. Right. But he uh, he has a master's. He was a screenwriter. He had a master's in uh, playwriting. That was where he and, started, uh, right? did write a few plays before he started in with the comedy. Right. Well, you brought up a good point. I thought that he's around our age, and they say some people in this business, they hit it right off the bat, and others it just takes years and years and years of work before they hit it. And I was talking to a mutual friend of ours, Ralphie Joyle, and he was saying, you know, there's no chance of people our age getting on, like, The Tonight Show or something. They're looking for the next young up-and-coming comic. They're not looking for our age. But Lewis, he actually hit it big. It was later on in his career, so at least hope that, you know, older people can still make it on the scene, not just the young up-and-coming comics. Early 40s, I believe that really uh, he he hit it uh, when he was in his early 40s. Um, yeah, and uh, they're usually looking for the 20 year old something, right? The next the next big thing, uh, right? right. So it leaves yeah. hope for people like That's us. Exactly we still right. have a chance, right? But <laughs> maybe you, Dennis. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I know it's getting tougher as the years go by. But let's see. He's best known for his rants on uh, political, religion, and history. And I know the big three taboo things you never touch in comedy is supposed to be race, religion, and disease. And uh, have you ever tried political comedy yourself, or? I don't do a whole lot of pol uh, political comedy. Um, I, you know, you play so many different places up in, especially in New England, and you never know what the climate is going to be like. Uh, I won't do a joke about Trump. I won't do a joke about anybody really um, I, I tried it early on and i found people get really really pissed i had to cut them out of my act i mean i thought they were just jokes but some people take politics too seriously i think uh we take politics very seriously much more seriously than when even when i started several right. years ago and so it's it's a minefield it's a politically correct generation uh, yeah <laughs> And down here in Charleston, uh, you know, uh, it's it's an even bigger minefield, I think. So uh, I I keep it out of the act, and uh, going to to a show like his where it's just, you know, what you're going to get. You know where he stands. You know how he feels about the politicians. You know, right. and uh, it's well, you got to be real. Isn't isn't South Carolina that like toward the Bible Belt or whatever? So you really got to be careful what you say uh, down there. Don't you? Oh yeah. Yeah, I did know. a corporate show uh, on Thursday night, and um, they told me keep it PG rated. And my husband was there at the show, and he he said that they a couple of people flinched when I used the word "damn." Right, uh, you never know what's going to trigger people. <laughs> what's politically correct to you might not be to somebody else, so you never know. It's now PG. You know, considering what is said on the television these days in terms of language. To use the word damn, I didn't think anything of it. And my husband came back to me later and he said, there were three or four people when you said that, that just, you could see I, I heard the, the, the term pissed off. If you use it up here, it just means you're upset. But I heard down south, that's like a real bad slur. If you say that word down there, they take it very offensively. So it depends well, where you're yeah, at. <laughs> I, I did not know that. And uh, thanks for the tip. Now, now you uh, learn the hard way. Right? <laughs> there you go. So, All right. <laughs> let's see. Lewis Black, um, he had a Comedy Central series, The Root of All Evil. What do you remember about that? I remember very little about that. Um, my initial exposure to him was on The Daily Show uh, going back 
to John Stewart. Right, he did the what, the Black and Black segment on The Daily Show? Yes. What do you remember about that? Um, Well, he still does it. uh, I think he takes long breaks when he's on tour, but he does do it um, uh, with Trevor Noah on Wednesdays, so I try to catch it when when it's, uh, you know, when it is being broadcast. Um, The one classic one I remember was about Taco Bell when they uh, announced that they were going to keep what was in their taco meat a secret. (laughs) And um, to me, it is just one of the more classic routines, not political at all, but just, Mm. you know, him wanting to know what's in the meat. In fact, uh, I used that. I I taught a class of professional communications at UMass Lowell for a little while. And, you know, I, uh, I compared what Taco Bell had set out as a press release about the meat and and everything, and then I compared it, and then I showed the, the Lewis Black rant. Right. And, uh, it's probably closer to dog food. Of course, classic. I don't want to let the secret out. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that and his thing about candy corn. What yeah, about candy a corn? A lovely thing about candy corn. Yeah. Oh, is that, that got bad stuff in it too? Candy corn. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. I thought it was mostly sugar, but who knows what they're putting in stuff nowadays, right? <laughs> Oh, right. All right. Now, I know when I, I mean, when I had my son when he was younger, I hit all the kids' films, and now that he's grown up, I don't hit the kids' films anymore, so you probably don't either, but he was he was the voice of anger in Pixar's film Inside Out. Do you remember anything about that? Or? Yes. I, I, I uh, saw it. Uh, first by my, with my husband, and then we took the granddaughters. Um, How do you voice anger? It, whoa, whoa. <laughs> well... He he was anger. Uh, it just he, he was beautifully done, and uh, when you watch the film, I can't imagine anyone else voicing it except for Lewis Black. Um, it's it's a gem of a film. The role was made uh, for him. Well known actors. Uh, who else is is in that? Uh, Bill Hader, and also uh, Amy Poehler, and and a few others, and. Uh, it's just beautifully done, and uh, he. I watched some interviews at the time. I think this was his first major voiceover in terms of a film, right. and uh, he really enjoyed himself. And uh, so you'd recommend the movie? Yes. You would, okay. Kids, or uh, I bawled at the end. I I cried. That's like a safe baby. move. Yeah, a lot uh, of the comedians go toward cartoons now because it's a safe move. You know, there ain't very many cartoons that bomb. So, with Shrek and uh, no. Toy Story and all the comedians are going toward that. Uh, yeah, it's hard to get voiceover work these days because so many of the celebrities are doing. They're doing it, right? Uh, yeah, they're doing it, and you know, it's it's a way to bring in the box office sure. uh, dough. Um, but yeah, this, Jerry Seinfeld with the B movie. Everybody's doing them. Yes. Uh, let's see. When yeah. I started out this podcast, I actually used this list as the comedians that I wanted to review all. Uh, Comedy Central's 100 Greatest Comedians of All Time, and they voted Lewis Black number 51 on that list. Would you think that was accurate? Would you put him higher, or lower? I mean, this is of all time. I would put him. Um, yes. I would put him right in the middle. Right in the middle, somewhere. Um, okay. If it were if it were my hundred list, right. I would put him higher. But I could understand why he would be 
right there in the middle. Right. Yes, I, I think that's a good place for Lewis. It's a new day and age because if you asked us who the Godfathers of comedy were, you know, get the same answers: Carlin, Pryor, Dangerfield. But you know, if you asked our parents, it would have been you know Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin and Groucho Marx. Where if you asked the kids of today, it'd be Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. So every generation has their Godfathers, I guess. So I thought in the middle would be great for him too. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, he began in theater. Uh, that was where he got his work, and uh, he put down his influences were George Carlin, Lenny Bruce, Richard Pryor, Lily Tomlin, and Bob Newhart, who, uh, besides Lewis Black, who were some of the other comics that inspired you? Uh, me personally? Yeah, you personally. Who were uh, some of the comics that made you want to do comedy? Probably other than Black, um, Joan Rivers. Joan, sure. We were talking about, yeah, I mean, uh, if you went for female godfather, god godmothers of comedy, she'd be at the top of the list. Right. Um, I, I think Black and Joan Rivers are the two that I have seen the most. Um, uh, you know, and uh, <laughs> again, fearlessness. Right. Um, and their they're off, off-stage persona in um, a lot of cases is totally different uh, from what they project on stage. On stage yeah. Black is a, it was, is a real, uh, he, he's not married, but devoted to his, his uh, late father and his mother, speaks of them often, used to have them in his audience. His mother, a, a God love her, I believe is now about, is over, I think she's 102 or 103. That's a good his life. father passed away at 104. He had a relatively conservative upbringing uh, in Silver Spring, Maryland. Um, and if you watch, uh, you know, he's done the USO tours, uh, and you see this nice guy. You see this, uh, you know, Off gentleman. Stage, right, yeah. And Rivers, um, you know, who would come out and bash anybody. She made it what? Uh, she said she made her living on part. saying what other people thought, right? That was Joan's famous line. She made her living yes. on saying what other people were thinking that wouldn't say, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, I'll, I'll grow up, you know. And um, I, I wish that in some ways I could do, uh, be that clever be or a, to be that daring. Old. Well, it's a lot easier when you're on a big stage like that, even if you offend half the people, but half the left is still a big audience. When you're on the local scene, if you offend half the audience, you're really, it's tough on the local scene to make a go of it because you don't have as, as big a crowds watching you. That's right, and to make that leap, I believe these days where everything is so PC I, is, uh, is more difficult. Yeah, everybody's offended uh, by everything nowadays, not like when we grew up and you could take a joke. Yes. You're absolutely right, and uh, down here, the people taking a joke is even tougher than yeah, it is tougher, in right, because you're in the Bible Belt, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, you got to be exactly. careful. Let's see, in 1998, uh, uh, he got his first uh, Comedy Central Presents special, again in 2000 and 2002. Now, these were like half-hour specials before he went on to do his major specials. Do you remember anything about them? Not really. No, no I didn't start comedy until uh, uh, 2000, uh, 
12, 13 years ago. Oh, was that after that? So in 98, I was busy raising kids and, and not really into the scene. So I wasn't really aware. Well, those are like stepping um, stones you use, you know, just to get get aware and have people decide if they like you or not. And if you hit a home yeah. run on one of those, then you go on to do the major specials for them. Right. But even though it, it's even tougher with those, I mean, it seems like everybody these days can get half an hour on Comedy Central, but then... You know, a, a lot of people disappear after that. Yeah, and, not everybody gets uh, liked yeah. after that. Yeah, you got to really bring something different to the stage. Yes. Let's see. Yeah. Right, then he hit his big specials. 2002, he did Tax Beyond Belief, uh, HBO Black on Broadway in 2007, 2006, uh, HBO Red, White, and Screwed. Uh, what do you yeah. remember about any of those? Those were his big popular ones. I mean, what are your memories yeah. of them? Well, I mean, 2006, we were, uh, you know, we were in the Bush era, and, uh, you know, w what can you say? I mean, there was just so much material uh, to be had during that, that particular time. Um, I do remember his bit about uh, Dick Cheney and the gun, and uh, when when he accidentally hit one of his, his uh, yeah, partners in the face, and... Uh, how do you think that, how do you think it happened? The rest and, uh, of us would have been in jail. No charges are brought against him. Like, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, I mean, those were golden times for, for politicians, or for comedians, rather. Because yeah, and there's a big audience for political humor, too. I mean, make, I mean, we can't do it on the local scene because it's a very sensitive subject. But the national scene, I mean, the Daily Show, uh, there's all kinds of political-based shows. Right, right. Um, but what we can do, you know, is uh, is is very difficult. Um, but I do remember that particular one, and uh, you know, it was just a golden time. His newest show, uh, the one that's coming, he's on tour with. Uh, it gets better every day. Now I can't imagine, uh, you know. <laughs> I remember the one he told what. When we were in grade school, they taught us if there was a nuclear war to get under your desk and put your head between your knees. Like, like that was going to save you. So I was cracked up at that one. That was yeah. a good observation. but Yeah. And I happened to see him. Um, I was in Boston. Uh, his show was uh, took place the night uh, that evening, and they had had the funeral service for Ted Kennedy that day oh, gee. that it died oh yeah and he he came on stage and he just you know he just looked at us all he says of all the bleeping days to be booked <laughs> in Boston so he said here I am uh, uh, you bury your your last hero and the last the last uh, bastion of, of civility in in politics probably and he said it here I am, and we all—I don't—we we all kind of felt bad, but yet again, he went on with the show, acknowledging the fact that this was this was going to be a tough trying tough to night. win over the crowd, um, right? <laughs> so you're all on the same page with him instead of against him, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Well, let's see. In 2007, he won a Grammy Award for the best comedy album at Carnegie Hall. Uh, Grammy Award, that's the top of the top, best of the best right there. So you get one Grammy and you're in with the legends. But do you think comedy albums are a thing of the past now because of the internet? Nobody's going to put them out because it's all the bootleg. You can't make any money off them anymore. 
the money. I think it's the uh, the attention span. And, uh, you know, I just don't, I, I mean, I don't listen, personally, I don't listen to comedy albums. Well, when we were kids, you could grab one, you could maybe make a copy and give it to your friend, and a few people got it. But nowadays, with the Internet, you can make a copy of it, and everybody in the world's got it, so there's, there's not much money to be made anymore off them. Right, right. And, uh, you know, all the, the streaming services, and plus, I mean, everybody everybody makes an album. Everybody makes, uh, you know, it's not nearly as uh, as prestigious anymore as it was. I think the last, actually, the last comedy album I, own, uh, I can think of that I owned is the Steve Martin one. Way from, back. Uh, <laughs> way back, because the cover has him with the bunny ears on. Right, right. Uh, well, they're, they're yeah. saying they're using them more as promotional tools now. They're not trying to make money of them, but it's a promotional tool to get you to come see their concert where, you know, in the yeah. olden days you could make some money, but there's not much. And a lot of them, they're releasing them right on their website. But like, you can download them. They're only charging five bucks, and they're lucky to get that because once somebody downloaded it, you can share it for free. But uh, let's see, 2080 yeah. came out with the Root of All Evil comedy on Comedy Central special. Uh, 2008, uh, he did History of the Joke on the History Channel, actually, and I remember Larry the Cable Guy had a show on the History Channel either, and I watched it, I didn't think it was that good, and I like Larry the Cable Guy, but it just wasn't for me, but, uh, kind of funny, the History Channel's getting involved with comedy, don't you think? Uh, yes, <laughs> it is, but, I mean, we, we have so many legends, and, um, I think, Especially right now, we need to go. Uh, comedians, I don't think they appreciate the legends of comedy that have, have gone before them and the work ethic. And uh, even if. Oh, well, the you young know, you kids today don't respect nothing. Off, the nothing. jokes were corny or outdated. <laughs> right. Uh, I mean, and there is so much money to be made. Sure, um, Netflix is taking over now. Netflix, geez, Eddie Murphy's on there. Chris, all the big names going to Netflix now. But yes. They're offering the big bucks. That's the wave of the future. TV's going out and the Internet's coming in. I know. They, I think, uh, who was that? Eddie Murphy was on Saturday Night Live. Was, was it Chappelle the other day? Uh, yeah, you know, Chris Rock, was, Chappelle was there. Uh, and, and Chris Rock and saying this is, you know, two-thirds of Netflix's income. income or, right. <laughs> but or, uh, that's the wave of the yeah, future. They, they, CDs are going out and downstream and stuff's coming in. Yeah. All right, exactly. 2011, he put out on Epics, In God We Tr In God We Rust, excuse me. Uh, then in 2013, he did his ninth comedy special, Old Yeller, and he actually made that a pay-per-view event, which that's pretty dairy. I know Kevin Hardy was the first uh, comedian since Eddie Murphy to put one out at the movie theater, but... Uh, do you think pay-per-view is the way to go? That way, you know, you're getting the money up front? Yeah. I guess with all the downloads and stuff, that's, you know, you got to come up with new ways to, to make money. I guess pay-per-view is the way to do it. Yeah. Unfortunately, but it, it is. Um, you know, I, I... It's it's what's happening. Um, I still... It's not something for me. I... I feel absolutely when I'm in the theater with the comedian uh, or in a, a theater, theatrical performance. Uh, I just feel, you know, the electricity. Yeah, there's and nothing like a live crowd for sure. A live crowd, there's nothing like it. Yeah. I mean, even the other, uh, we went. Uh, oh, we saw Steve Steve Martin and Martin Short together. How was that show? I was going to go to that and I missed it and I regret it. Was it a good show? Uh, it was your loss. 
I can imagine it. Well, Quite I mean, frankly. there ain't many. You're not going to see Carlin. You're not going to see Pryor. They're gone. I did see Cosby before he we went to jail. Uh, Dangerfield, they're not going to see. And then Steve Martin, he's one of the last, you know, original five of my legends anyway, Torrin. So, actually, up at and Foxwoods, they had a night. There were Joan Rivers and Don Rickles was on the same bill on the same oh. night working together at Foxwoods. I was going to go. I was so close. And I'm like, you know, I'll catch them next time. My dumb ass never thinking they're going to be no next time. They're going to I so regret not seeing that show. So when you get the chance, go. Yeah. I yeah, wish um, I had went. Black is down in Charleston at the Music Hall on, in May. And I plan on seeing that one. You don't want to miss um, it. It's a small theater, relatively small theater. That's the best um, way to see them in a small place, yeah. If you get a chance to go see the, the short and Martin, uh, the Martin Short and Steve Martin show, if, if I, I know they do it sporadically, right. it is absolutely worth it. Uh, there's something old and there's something new, and of course with the two of them, there is something blue in there. Uh, the energy. That oh, the Three Amigos, they, one of my favorite movies of all time, and that together they were great yes. together. Yeah. And that's the other thing about some of these guys. I mean, uh, you know, when I last saw. Uh, Rivers, she was probably 76, 77, and did an hour and 15 straight. And it it was hilarious. Sure. Uh, Black is uh, 70. I think and Don Rickles, he was sitting in a wheelchair at the end, telling his jokes in a wheelchair, Don Rickles. but Yeah. I mean, and I saw, I saw Carl in a month before he died up at Hampton Beach. And he didn't move. He was hunched ah. over, stood in one spot all night. But I, he still brought it. Funny as heck. Didn't move much, but he was still funny, you know? Yeah. So I, I was yeah. lucky to see him. All right, let's get back to Lewis Black here. I'll name off some of the shows he was on. Then at the end, tell me if you've seen any of what your favorite were. Uh, Law and Order, The Big Bang Theory, Nothing Sacred, uh, The Happy Elf, The Weather Channel, Scooby-Doo, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, SpongeBob SquarePants. Uh, do you have any favorites out of that you've seen him on? Or? Turtles, um, Turtles and the Law and Order episode. I'm a Law and Order junkie, and I remember that episode quite well. What do you remember about um, him on there? That he played a, uh, you know, a controversial uh, shock media Howard Stern-like character, and uh, did quite a good job with it. Um, yeah, he he was very good. I haven't seen it in a while. I remember but, on the Big uh, Bang Theory, he was playing like he had a screw loose upstairs, but he he played it very well. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, but of all of those, um, I'm not a big SpongeBob fan, um, but uh, that's the one that stands out. Stands out to you as your favorite, right? Those, those, those yeah. are big names to be in with. Big name shows, right there. So when you're at the top of your game, everybody wants you. Yeah. All right. Did you ever have anything like strange happening in comedy or weird out of the ordinary? In my case? In your personal case? Um, I had a, a woman who came on stage one night and just started dancing. She was totally wasted. Oh, jeez. Uh, She's part of the act now all of a and, sudden, right? <laughs> and I had, to, I had to kick her off. Yeah. Uh, I was working right. with a local comic, and I ended up, I was hosting, and I ended up, kicking her off. I told her, get off the stage. She says, you want me to get off? I said, yes. I want you to get off. My show, not um, yours, in, right? <laughs> yeah, in comedy, um, no, I, actually, I had more strange experiences when I was playing, uh, I played French horn professionally for years, and I had more strange 
experiences. The music, yeah. Uh, yeah, a guy, you know, my first professional gig, uh, the first flute had a fatal heart attack. Um, oh, uh, the ceiling fell down, uh, all kind of uh, camels on stage. <laughs> but um, in comedy, no, I've had a, a relatively, uh, I don't know, incident-free well, you've been now, lucky I've then. I've played some real dives. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah. And some wild places, uh, in uh, you know, from Maine down to the one that we, uh, we did. A, it was a chamber of commerce at a local local place. And I'm glad my husband went with me because I... I Might not have made it out alive, right? No, <laughs> yeah. It just, you know, uh, uh, it, it was a town uh, sort of reminiscent of something out of a well-known Bell Brooks movie. Right. Um I played one and on Worcester. So, a lady came in with a bag full of fish, was trying to sell people fish out of a brown paper bag in the middle of the comedy set. Okay. Well, anyway, Lewis Black said this was one of his strangest experiences. In 2000, him and comedian Jim Norton were arrested for doing the Naked Teen Voyeur bus. Uh, they reported to the Opie and Anthony show, which is a radio show, from the bus with glass windows full of topless teens when they were driving around Manhattan with them. And they weren't told till afterwards on the radio show this was the same route that was going to be used by Bill Clinton that day, President Bill Clinton. So they spent 28 hours in jail for that. So Probably don't have a story that could compete with that one, do you? No. No. And I'm glad I don't. Yeah, I don't know anything that strange happened. That, that's what you're in for in the big time. All right, we end off every show with trivia. I'm going to give you a... Three trivia questions about Lewis Black, and I'll preface with that nobody ever does good in trivia. In the history of Funny Like Clown Podcast, nobody's ever gone three for three. Only a couple people have gone two for three. Most people go one for three or oh for three, but it's informative, so let's see how you do. You ready? Uh, probably oh for three, but we'll see. Let's try. All right. What, what island hired Lewis Black as spokesperson for their tourism authority? Island. I don't know. All I know is that he has an amazing bit about New Zealand. Uh, it was actually Aruba. Uh, Aruba hired him, not New Zealand. Aruba. Okay, well, then let me put a plug in for the bit. Watch it on YouTube about him flying to New, New Zealand. I'm wrong, but if you need a good laugh and you've flown lately, watch oh. the bit about flying to New Zealand. He gets around. Okay, so we already mentioned Spongebob and Scooby-Doo, but he was the voice of Manobrain in what Cartoon Network series? Uh, I don't know that one either. Duck Dodgers. <laughs> Which I guess I remember that was like a Donald Duck spoof on Buck Rogers, I remember, but uh, he was the voice of Manobrain. He was one of the bad guys, so... I guess if you played evil in one other, I guess being the bad guy in Duck Dodgers makes sense. All right. Uh, all right. Well, you brought this one up a little bit earlier where you did some support for the troops. So here's your third question. In 2007, he went to support the troops in Iraq and Kuwait with what other comedy legend? So he was doing like a Bob Hope nowadays type thing, entertaining the troops in Iraq and Kuwait. It was him and what other comedy legend? I don't remember who it was. Robin Williams recently passed away. Oh. oh. Who would have known stuff like that, right? Everything's on the tip of your tongue until you get asked. But, uh, all right, yeah. Michelle, thanks for being on Funny Out Clown Podcast. Before we go, I'm going to give you the stage. You being a fan of Lewis Black, what would you want other people to know about him? Uh, 
that he's a hell of a nice guy that uh, just channels uh, his anger about the system, cares about the system, cares about the country, um, cares about people, and uh, channels it through his humor, and uh, one of the most clever men uh, I can only could only hope to be one-tenth, no, one-hundredth as brilliant as he is. If, if I could have one, one percent of his brilliance, I'd be happy. Sure. It's, I mean, comedy is a great platform to get your message across, and certainly he's trying to get a message. And it is always cool when you don't forget where you come from. I don't care how you big, big you get in this business, you know. Don't look down on the little people. Try to help them out and help the guy behind you. Yep. All right, Michelle, thank you for being on Funny Like Home Podcast. I wish you luck in your comedy career down there, and hopefully we'll see you back up on the Boston scene soon. Well, we're going to do that movie, so yeah, you will. That's right. we got a movie coming out. Shh. But no, well, we'll be announcing that soon, and you get to play the waitress in it. I'm looking forward to that. So we'll see you soon. Uh, okay. Thanks. Have a good Take night. Care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, Michelle Mortensen on comedian Lewis Black. And, uh, yeah, you know, I do a routine called the Child Support Superhero, and I try to get my message across about, you know, how children need both their parents equally. And I can understand, you know, Lewis Black, his rants on how... You know, they say America's the greatest country in the world. There's no doubt about that, but we still got our problems. And he tries to, you know, get his message across to fix the problems politically. So, hey, if you have a, uh, you know, if you have a cause you feel passionate about in life, don't hold in. You tell other people because that's how any problem is solved. Awareness is the key. This is Funny Out Clown Podcast. I'm Dennis Worth, your host, and uh, we're approaching the 50th episode. I hope to get a big, big name on here for you for the 50th, but... Keep tuning in. If you like comedy, laughter is the best medicine, and we will see you next week. Good night.